It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Well, there's never really a quiet time when uh, you're talking about the beautiful game and uh, to go through what's been happening this week is Ricardo Ball, of course, host of Extra Time here on SENZ and uh, by and away, uh, far away too, uh, our football expert when it comes to that. And talking of the beautiful game, uh, Ricardo, it's beautiful all of a sudden for the football ferns. 2-0 over Korea, ending an eight-game losing streak. And their new coach will be quite happy, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah, Yitkik and Clover was uh, was jumping about at each goal and on the sideline and hugging the support staff and substitutes and things. So you definitely meant a lot to her four games into the job. And, um, you know, really good positive thing here was that the football firms uh, found a way to score goals against a team ranked above them in the FIFA rankings and did it without Hannah Wilkinson, which has been a struggle for the Ferns in the past. They've really relied on Hannah, but, uh, you know, she's um, got a bit of a niggle that she'd picked up in pre-season with Melbourne City, wasn't able to make this trip, wasn't able to play against Canada due to COVID restrictions and things. So mm. uh, it's meant that uh, Yitka Klumkova has had to get uh, inventive with how she sets the Ferns up, the way they play, so they're not over-reliant on Hannah. And it looks like that's, that's already starting to pay the dividends just you know, four games in uh, to her tenure, which uh, which is fantastic. And she's introduced a lot of young players as well. Um, you know, Paige Satchel scored an absolute beauty the other day. Uh, lost, so uh, we're starting to see goals come from uh, other players in the, in the squad, and uh, that can only be positive, you know, with the World Cup sort of only, what, 18 months away. Yeah, only 18 months away. And, of course, uh, in New Zealand and Australia, which means... We needed credibility, and certainly um, the defensive side of things. They're not getting, uh, you know, absolutely routed. I mean, it's not like Latvia versus England, is it? For goodness sake, 20 nil. <laughs> what you make of that? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, the, uh, you know, European uh, women's qualifying. There's such difference. It, it, it reminds me a bit of OFC, really. You know, uh, when you know you have say in, in the past we've seen scores. Uh, you know, 13, 14 mil of the football firms against, say, a Tong or a PNG or someone. Um, and in Europe, they, there really is a, a big gap between uh, some of those nations. You know, you've got the French and you've got the English and the Swedes and the Dutch uh, who, who are all very good, but there's a lot of those developing countries uh, in Eastern Europe whose football is, you know, really poor. I think I read that uh, Latvia have only something like uh, maybe 300 registered female players. So, I mean, that's not a lot to, to pick from. And uh, obviously, there's, not, no, there's a lot of work to be done uh, from the European end on, on bringing all those teams up and, uh, you know, developing professional leagues in all those countries because, yeah, that, that was just embarrassing, wasn't it? It was. It was. Um, yeah, let's hope they can pick themselves up. 
uh, off the carpet. They were absolutely flogged there. Uh, well, talk about uh, picking yourself up off the carpet and um, getting on with it. It uh, looks like that's what the All Whites are going to have to do in this qualifying process uh, outside the FIFA window. And God knows what Danny Hay might have to come up with here. Um, what, have, what have you made of this whole? This, uh, I guess it's a debacle uh, again with Oceania. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, and it, it's it, it's it's an open secret, if you like. I, I think amongst uh, football coaches in, in New Zealand and, and probably football journalists in New Zealand as well, that uh, there are ten countries in OFC who do everything they can to make life difficult for the other country in OFC. Um, and that's what we've seen here. Uh, I think, you know, it's basically they've gone, well, New Zealand have got all these pro- professional players um, based over in Europe, um, which is going to make it impossible for us to qualify. Uh, so how can we negate that and give ourselves the best chance of getting a country that isn't New Zealand into that spot to bring some money into Oceania? That's that's basically how it looks. That's, that's what they've done. Um, and so it means that qualifying for the World Cup is going to have to take place in March and the first, I think, at least two group games, if not the third, it'll be touching goal on the third one, uh, will have to be without basically the pros because it's outside the window. So those clubs where the pros play, they don't have to release their players uh, outside of an international window. They, there, is, there is nothing to say that they have to do that. So um, a lot of this will depend on Danny Hayes' relationships with those clubs, New Zealand football's relationship with those clubs and with the players as well and, and see what he can get away with. But I, just, I think you'll see a vastly uh, different squad in those qualifiers, um, particularly in the first couple of games. Now, the way that FIFA has set things up here means that he can effectively have two squads and bring a second squad in of those pros uh, for the playoffs. But in the first place, they're going to have to make it out of their group. And, uh, you know, uh, regardless of what people think of OFC, you know, we've got New Caledonia and Fiji in our group. Now, Fiji have got Roy Krishner up front, of course, and, um, you know, they've got a reasonably solid team as well outside of that. And New Caledonia are probably the second best nation in uh, in Oceania. They've got really strong links with France. They've got several players that play sort of second, third division football in France. And the top club out of New Caledonia every year gets to go and play in the French Cup. Um, so uh, those guys uh, probably won't be affected because their players tend to play second tier. So those players will probably be able to be released. So what Danny's going to have to do is look to New Zealand shores and figure out who we can get out of here to make up the rest of the squad. And of course, most of those players mm. won't have been involved in any all-white squad for some time, if at all. Uh, so, you know, that culture that he's created and the, the style of football he's created with the, with the all-whites at the moment, he's going to have to start again. And that might have to be in the January window so he can build some sort of continuity through to March. I find it quite mind-blowing, actually, with an event of that magnitude, the biggest, perhaps the biggest sporting event in the world, um, that we have to muck around like this time after time. But however, uh, knowing Danny Hay, he'll just bite the bullet and get on with it. That's his way. Uh, look, uh, to, uh, in terms of A-League, Women's A-League, Women's A-League tomorrow night, um, and uh, the Western uh, Wellington Phoenix are underway. Uh, so history beckons here. Yeah, it does. You know, it's a really exciting time for football in New Zealand, particularly the women's game. Uh, it's going to be our first professional side, and they kick off, as you said, against Western Sydney Wanderers. It's going to be a double header. So uh, the, the Phoenix play the Wanderers twice tomorrow night, the, men, the women first and then the men. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to see what uh, Gemma Lewis can do with this team. I mean, it's a very young side. I think the average age is about 19 or 20. 
Um, so very young and, and a, quite light on a league level experience. Uh, but she does have some very good players there. She's called a few um, people who have got Australian passports but um, are eligible to play for New Zealand as well. Uh, so there'll be some players that we can discover uh, there. And, you know, it's. They've had a reasonably good pre-season. Uh, I mean, Sydney is, uh, are going to be one of the top women's teams. And they had a, their first pre-season head-out was against the Sydney team who had more lead than, than, the, uh, than the Phoenix women's team did. And they, they lost that game 2-0, which I don't think is a disgrace. So I think they're going to be competitive. Um, I, I think it would be a massive win if they could make the playoffs. But I think that would be overachieving, making the playoffs in this first season, given how far behind everyone else they started. But, yeah, really looking forward to it. And there's going to be some uh, you know, fantastic young New Zealand talent on show on Friday night when we see those teams go, uh, go out and, uh, and, and face each other. Yeah, I think it's superb actually, I, I really do, I'm looking forward to that. The, the men's side, I'm looking forward to watching them this season, they've uh, had a draw and a win under their belt, uh, but do you reckon that uh, Ufuk Tale has sorted out the penalty taker yet? That was interesting. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I, I mean, that's, uh, I'm not sure who the designated penalty taker is supposed to be from what we saw there. I, I think it was supposed to be Rene Piscopo, um, uh, but, you know, it was it was claimed and then not scored, and I mean, you know, that really is the cardinal sin. If you're going to take the penalty off the guy who's the designated penalty taker, you better make sure you get it. Uh, otherwise, there's going to be mm. trouble. So uh, I, I expect that to be sorted. And to be honest, you know, I, I'd be, uh, I wouldn't be adverse to them giving it to one of the senior boys and maybe making David Ball the, uh, the, the, the penalty taker, uh, you know, if Gary Hooper's not on the field because uh, you can't have that sort of carry on. And, uh, and you know, you, you need to have... Um, straight, uh, strict guidelines within teams about how these things work. Uh, Ricardo, I've just had a text come in actually, and uh, you're qualified to answer this. Uh, I, I know it's been mooted before. Why don't we follow Australia's lead and move to the Asian Federation? Harder to qualify, of course, but more money in it and more regular fixtures. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be averse to that. In fact, uh, I spoke to Danny Hay on Tuesday, and I floated exactly that with him. Um, you know, he was being—he was trying to be very diplomatic about the situation. You know, he made it known that he wasn't happy, uh, but he was being diplomatic. And you know, I said to him, "Well, you know, to avoid uh, sort of Mickey Mouse situations like this, should we try and follow Australia's lead uh, and, and and go into Asia?" And he, he didn't really want to comment on that, as you can imagine. Uh, but you know, I think it's something that needs to be looked at. And really, I mean, if you look at the makeup of Oceania. Uh, you know, New Zealand is the top nation there and what are we ranked, 120th or something in the world? Um, and then every, everybody else is behind that. So, I mean, if you're FIFA, it's like this, this organisation um, has had problems previously. I mean, uh, in the last couple of years, uh, a lot of the, uh, the um, heavy hitters from Oceania that run it have, have been done for taking money out of the game. It's disappeared all of a sudden. Um, so, I, to be honest, I think the best thing that FIFA could do is completely scrap Oceania altogether, incorporate it into Asia, and then look at making Asia um, two different, um, you know, splitting Asia in half and splitting it into two different confederations, a, um, a Middle Eastern-type confederation and then a, uh, an East Asian confederation. I think that's probably the best way to go. Yeah, too much common sense in that for them, uh, Ricardo. You know, you know them better than that. OK, let's look at uh, uh, for uh, yeah, football fans uh, this morning who might not be aware of the results this morning in the EPL. Southampton 2, Leicester 2. Uh, Chelsea getting up to beat Watford 2-1. A draw between the Hammers, West Ham and Brighton 1-1. Wolves, Burnley 0-0. Uh, 
Uh, Aston Villa, uh, Manchester City 2-1, and Liverpool dominating the Merseyside derby 4-1 over Everton. Yeah, some, um, some good game this morning. Actually, Chelsea were in all sorts of problems early against uh, Watford, Smithy. Um, they, they, Watford really put the, uh, the heat on Chelsea and had Mendy was forced into two really good saves in the first 10 minutes. And then, as um, callous as this sounds, I guess, but uh, Chelsea were fortunate that there was a medical emergency in the crowd, I think, and the teams had to be taken off. And in that time, Tuchel really got his team sorted. And when they came back, they started to dominate the game and, and came back into it. So that Watford team under Claudio Ranieri is showing some really good signs. They press high, they put pressure on teams who are trying to play out from the back. And uh, watch out for the name. Emmanuel Dennis is a Nigerian striker that's at Watford. He scored today, and uh, so far in the Premier League this season, he has got six goals and five assists in 14 games. Uh, I believe in terms of combined uh, what they call goal involvement, either scoring or assists, he's behind only Mo Salah in the Premier League this season. So he's definitely a player to watch and one that some of the bigger clubs might be looking at as well. But those results mean it's status quo. Chelsea lead. They're a point ahead of Manchester City, who are a point ahead of Liverpool. And um, that's, uh, that's title race looks like it's going to be tight right throughout the season. And then at the other end, you know, I mean, we saw Newcastle were down to 10 men after 10 minutes against Norwich yesterday, but managed to get a point. Burnley get a point today. Um, obviously, Norwich got a point there as well. And uh, it's going to be a battle at both ends. It really looks that way uh, this season. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be tight right through. So tomorrow morning, Man U, uh, Arsenal, Spurs hosting Brentford. Uh, but my question to you is, have you done your homework on Rolf Rangnick? And uh, when, who is he and when is he arriving at Old Trafford? Well, he's there now, but he, uh, due to work visa issues, he can't take charge to the first team until about the 11th of December, by the looks of things. Um, but he was at Old Trafford uh, yesterday. Uh, and so he has been involved, I think, from an overseeing point of view. Uh, now, Ralph Ragnick's been around for a long time uh, in Germany. He is a guy who was an influence on the coaching styles of both Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp. They've both uh, been talking about him in the press in the last couple of weeks um, about how impressive he is as a coach and how much they learned from him. Uh, that gegenpressen, which uh, is the German style of, of play, of being fast and effective and, and pressing high up the pitch, putting pressure on defenders when they're in position of the ball to win the ball high up, that was his idea and Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel and other coaches have adopted that uh, and put their own spin on it. So that's who he is. Uh, he was the coach at Hoffenheim when they were just a small uh, provincial club in Germany. He got them into the Bundesliga and then RB Leipzig, who of course are owned by Red Bull. Uh, they threw a lot of money at, at, at their program and he was the one that put their program together and he coached them and got them into the Bundesliga as well and made them competitive. So that's who he is. He has seen very much a a guy who's an architect who can oversee a, a system uh, and make a club run, uh, you know, top to bottom with the same system. So he's come in to United to be the manager for the first six months anyway, and then after that he's going to be a consultant for two years in terms of uh, how they how they program, uh, how they run their programs, etc. So uh, yeah, that's who he is. He's just come from a locomotive Moscow, who are one of the big clubs in Russia, and uh, he was the sporting director. Uh, and, and interestingly, Locomotive Moscow is not just a football club, it's a sporting club. So he was the overall sporting director for their basketball program, their volleyball program, uh, their football program, everything. And uh, yeah, I think he brings a lot of interesting skills to United. Well, Ricardo, uh, as always, uh, look forward to 
Um, uh, your show's uh, coming up at night. I think you've got a night off tonight. But um, other than that, um, great work there. And uh, thanks so much for helping us out, uh, as usual, this time slot. Love, uh, yeah. love the insight. Thank you. No worries. Elliot, on Saturday, I'm filling in for McCarty and Elliot on air. Me and Mitch McClinnigan are going to be hosting the uh, Saturday session. Oh, even better. Even better. I might even tune in then. Okay. Uh, Ricardo, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, thank, no, I, li- I listen anyway, so don't know. It's cool. Thanks, Ricardo. Look forward to that. Cheers. Cheers, bro.